You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hi, welcome to Prove Text. I'm Fred Long, and I'm with my good friend, Michael Halcombe. And we're going to be looking, continuing our look at Galatians. We're in chapter one. But Michael, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Um, been better, but I'm, I'm all right. Um, yeah, thanks for asking. How are you doing? Good, pretty good. Yeah, you know, I've been better, certainly. But, uh, but thankful, you know, very thankful every day to be, to be alive. And um, what a joy to be looking at the Greek text with you and just kind of going verse by verse, uh, word by word, really. And uh, so let's jump right in. We're looking at Galatians 1.6, and uh, we'd like to begin with Michael's reading of the text. All right. So uh, it sounds like this in Greek. Um, at least uh, I, I guess I could do it in impassioned reading or uh, uh, an unimpassioned reading, if that's a word. Uh, but uh, okay. try to try to capture sort of what I guess Paul's frustration yeah. here. So it begins with Tavmazo Oti Utos Tacheos Metatitheste Apotu Kalesandos Yumas and Hariti Christu is Eteron Evangelion. All right. I heard um I heard a lot of uh, yeah. sounds and tons of that. Yeah. And, and uh, what, what kind of tone is conveyed by, by that? Do you think? Yeah, certainly a harshness. I mean, if you think about in English, when people use cuss words or the sort of pseudo cuss words, um, crap, right. Uh, um, shoot. You know, there's a lot of those uh, harsh sounds and i think yeah what that conveys is a level of intensity or frustration perhaps anger and i i think the same is is largely true of greek uh, you can you can capture the tone um or the sentiment of what's being said the tone of what's being said through the use of you know harsh uh, letters yeah and the tone is something, you know, uh, you know, uh, I guess they say 80% of communication is nonverbal. Um, of course, that would be conveyed verbally, but we, we don't have access to that, that right. aspect of the communication. We have to reconstruct it and imagine it. And of course, tone uh, can really change an utterance, you know, uh, completely because you know, it could yeah. be so a sarcastic tone, ironic, uh, disgusted tone. Um, you know, there's a lot conveyed in tone. So, um, yeah. Well, what, yeah. I, I, I do think that, you know, sometimes we can perhaps get uh, explicit, like body language kind of thing going on. I mean, we read about oh, yeah. people raising their hands or I don't know, dropping their heads or raising their heads. Like, great. Right, sometimes we get that, but sometimes there's implicit, um, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. I guess, easy to imagine what Paul might be doing when he's saying the mazo, right? Um, is he putting his, is he doing a face palm? <laughs> uh, yeah. or, you know, what, what is going on there when he does the tacheos? Is he doing sort of a quick motion, you know, yeah. with his, 
finger. So yeah. you, you can imagine uh, some of that, but yeah, we don't yeah. know exactly. That's right. Yeah. Let me offer a translation with some emotion. I yeah. am surprised that so quickly you're deserting from the one who called you in the grace of Christ for another gospel. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So quickly really stands out the third and fourth word of this verse. So quickly. Yeah. Utos is an adverb modifying to chaos, which is an adverb. So adverbs can modify verbs we think of, but also adjectives and other adverbs. And so, so quickly really is kind of uh, really stands out as the manner really stressing the manner of the deserting um, here. Um, before that, we, we notice that there's no conjunction, right? right? And that's ascendaton. Ascendaton can indicate close connection when there are parallel statements and kind of like a rhetorical flourish taking place, or it can signify break. And here right. it signifies break. Um, and we see that because Paul has just ended verse five with an amen, and then there's like a, a break, and then we jump into the thaumazo, oti, um, without a con conjunction, which uh, the thaumazo, hoti, is, is uh, you know, I'm amazed that is a meta comment. So at this point, Paul is talking, making explicit statements about his communication to the Galatians, really his, he's, he's making uh, a meta comment speaking about his own mental state uh, in regarding something that they've done. And, and that's characterized so by the verb meta to desert. Let's talk though about what is a meta comment. That's a self-reflective comment that an author makes about the communicative process. So rather than stating something directly, he could have just said, so quickly you are divert, you are, you are um, deserting. He could have just said that so quickly you're deserting, but instead he says, I'm shocked that you are so quickly departing. So these meta comments uh, help convey tone. They help convey attitude, disposition, epistemic stance towards the content that yeah. follows. And so it's, it's, it's a, it tees it up. The Thav, Thav Madzo Oti tees it up and um, yeah, can, it betrays Paul's shock, shock that they're so why you didn't. Left. I was wondering why you didn't uh, go for a, a translation like that. I think you said surprised. Uh, yeah. I kind of think I read this and shock is, I guess, where my mind goes or yeah. stunned, um, yeah. floored, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a strong word. Um, one of my students, John Wright, is researching, looked at Thalv Madzo, and it actually can be used in very positive ways in the recognition of divine activity. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so it comes up in the Gospels as a response. And so I don't know how that would apply here, except that, you know, later on he's going to say, you know, who's bewitched you? 
Right. So he may be, there may be some recognition, but even by using this word that there is something supernatural that has gone on and it, it results in, in this, this kind of use of this verb. Yeah. I, I'd like to explore that more. That, that imperative. I mean, when we're speaking and coining each other or we see someone do something, the imperative, right. Um, you know, it, it, it can convey, I guess, a positive or a negative sense, depending on the context, right? Um, yeah. It's kind of like amazing. And it, yeah. that it, for me, I mean, the a lot of the interpretation hinges on what is the tone of, of this? Is he, I mean, we have those harsh sounds. So is he, is he speaking fast? Is he speaking loud? Is he aggressive? Or is it more of like a, um, like a, a slow shock. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, like, yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't yeah. believe it. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think interpreters typically go that route and they'll, they'll say, you know, look, Paul does not include a typical Thanksgiving section. Yeah. And so there's a diverse, a diverted uh, form here, like a diversion from the form, which of course assumes that the form was established, but, you know, you can compare this with his other letters and certainly he does. Most of the time he begins with Thanksgiving here. A little bit of a hard argument. I mean, I know I I brought that up in one of the previous episodes, but if this is one of his earlier, earliest letters, if not the earliest, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think first Thessalonians probably was his earliest, but you know, like, is there precedent there? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is he, is he the pissed off, angry hellfire preacher here? Or is he mm-hmm. the sort of exasperated apostle, you know? Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's an important thing, but yeah. Yeah. B-Dag, also... yeah, B-Dag, I mean, their first definition, I think it may be, I don't know. It says to be extraordinarily impressed or disturbed by something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. But then when you go to LSJ, Liddell Scott Jones, uh, they just simply have uh, to be to marvel or wonder, uh, marvel at, which, you know, then honor, admire, worship. So it seems more positive. Um, right. I mean, there's no way yeah. whatever he's saying here is positive. Like, it, we, I don't think it's possible to read this in a positive sense. It's just, is he angry or exasperated or uh, it's kind of somewhere between those two. And when, when I also look at metatithis there, uh, I like to translate that as, translate that as uh, change or y'all changed. I was going right? to ask you about that. Yeah. Change. Because I think that. Uh, at least in the dissertation uh, that I wrote, you know, this is one of the verses, and I think this frames a lot of uh, what Paul, like his whole agenda for Galatians, this this tacheos metatiteste, uh, or utos tacheos metatiteste. In this manner, you so quickly changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, change in the ancient world. And I spent a lot of time researching this years uh, on just this concept of change in antiquity. And it's, it's different in the ancient world. 
and then today, you know, in our culture where change is applauded and everything's changing so fast that in Paul's time, change was frowned upon. And um, you see him bringing that to the fore here. You've changed. You're not supposed to change. Like we don't, we don't do that. That's not like our culture, you know, but he gives us a specific of what they've changed from. And we see that in the next, uh, this triad of prepositional phrases. So let's talk about uh, some of those. Yeah. Um, well, just one of the point is, yeah, the, the change is shocking. I think shocking, but the, the marveling, I mean, could it be ironic? Like, in other words, using a verb that might have positive connotations normally. Uh, there are now, indications, though. But in, now he's using it ironically. In Mark, I mean, when Mark 6, I think it is, when Jesus goes into his hometown and he can't do miracles except a few. Like, he, he uses a negative thavmazo as well. Um, At their lack of faith and response yeah, to yeah yeah, yeah yeah he, he was he was marveling hmm i, I do yeah. like there's a, could be an ironic sense here though yeah yeah well he's he's clearly displeased and he's he's talking about them changing uh the word there metatithemi can mean like to transfer and the prepositions as you noted there uh help convey that you got then you, you, you have three prepositional phrases, uh, apo with the genitive, then n with the dative, and then east with the accusative, which is rather interesting. Um, it, it's like a little study of prepositional use, you know, with the three different cases. Um, so genitive, uh, apo indicates separation, uh, source or separation. And here it's drawing upon the, the, the ablative sense of the case. The genitive form reflects ablative and genitive meanings, and one one ablative meaning this gets into intermediate grammar is one of separation. So mm-hmm. you get us you're you changing from from the one who called you, and then um, calling was done in the grace of Christ or by the grace of Christ. So kind of a either a sphere or realm or a means. And then the east with the accusative, the accusative case indicates extension. And then east means like into or towards, you know, into to, into another gospel. So from one place into another place. So there is a, there is like a spatial uh, representation taking place um, here. As well, then I mean it's interesting because the verb meta uh, tithemi, you know, the meta tithemi means to place or put, and then um, meta I think in this kind of sense would be like put aside, mm, yeah. uh, put put away. Um, you know, I'm, I'd like to reflect a little bit more on the 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 force of the meta, but you, I mean, it's really striking because then you basically have four different prepositions kind of at play here uh, that people would have really heard, and it's all communicating one thing: a transference, uh, a change, which is not not a good change. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, that's interesting. Uh, talk. Talk to us for a minute about this uh, tu calesandos imas. Oh, uh, I was going to ask you. 
Yeah, who do you think uh, who do you think that is? So that's a right, that's a substantive participle, aorist, active, uh, masculine nominative, no, masculine genitive singular, mm-hmm. aorist. Um, so from the one who called you or the one calling you in the grace of Christ. Yeah. I mean, the big question is, is who is that? Yeah. Could it even be, uh, I wonder what you think. Could it be from your calling? The the process of being called and why not? No, uh, your calling would require the you to be a genitive, maybe subjective genitive working with a noun Kalisantos is not a noun, it's a uh, participle and, um, you know, substantive participle. So it more, you'd have to have another, you'd have to have the word klesis and then maybe umon, your calling would be what that would convey. So most naturally, this would refer to a a person, um, not your calling. I think it goes back, of course, to the previous few verses. And I, I think the only... The only referent that we that it maybe could possibly be is God the Father. Um, uh, I think this links back, especially to verse four and five. Um, uh, it's it's the calling uh, in uh, in the grace. Now we have this this textual variant. If if the textual variant is allowed, then I think it has to be. Uh, the father, but if the textual variant is dismissed, then perhaps it is Christ, you know, Jesus. Yeah, we're so, talking about the there's the, the prepositional phrase in karati Christu. The Christu is in question. Uh, some replace it with Jesu Christu, which is basically the same thing. Some have uh, Theu. So in Christi, in, in karati you in the grace of God. And some don't have anything. They just say in grace. So you have, you know, four or five options there. And so if, if the variant refers to how, you know, continue on, I just want to, people to understand that. If it refers to God in the grace of God, what would, I don't think that has very strong support though, right? Yeah, I don't, um, I don't have the, Oh, the variant yeah, yeah. list in front of me, but sounds yeah. like you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. The strongest support is for Chris Du, but they put it in brackets here right. and looking at the UBS text. Um, we do have it omitted in P46, Papyrus 46, evidently. We have to reconstruct the text a bit. But um, yeah, so I think it's most likely there. So um, if, it's, if it's there to me, then this would almost force one's hand to say that the two kalesandos refers back to the father. I think it would be weird to, to have Christ calling uh, these people by or in the grace of Christ. It just seems a little odd to me, but yeah. Well, I um, think my, my suspicion, my, my, if I wonder on that, who this one is, I think it might be Paul. You're so quickly amazing. Mm. You're, you're, you're changing from the one who called you to another gospel. Um, so now later on in Galatians, the, I think this verb is used of God 
calling. I, th I think that I think that is it. But I just wonder if there's maybe a double entendre possibly because, I mean, this gets to the nature of of Galatians, um, and I hold to the view that it's it's more apologetic, it's more defensive, and um, yeah. But you know, Paul is working in concert with God, um, so I think it's either God and or Paul, or you know, God working through Paul. Um, when you say God, you mean God the Father. God the Father, yeah, God the Father, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a kind of a fascinating idea that puts a lot on Paul. I mean, it it makes me wonder here. I guess it raises a theological question for me, because if it's going back to what he says in verse four, according to the will of our God and Father, linking the idea of the one calling and the one whose uh, will has already been mentioned. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We've talked a lot about will and calling on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, it's kind of important topics. You know, yeah. this this verb does occur three other times, and I think each time it does refer to God. Uh, so in one fifteen, it says, "When but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, was pleased." So that's that's a pretty clear because it's almost the same idiom, called through His grace. Uh, that kind yeah. of seals the deal for me. So that's you know that it's not Paul. Um, then in, in five eight, um, he says, "This persuasion did not come from him who calls you," and that's in the context of um, mm -hmm. yeah, them, them talking, him talking about their conversion or uh, yeah, conversion. I guess it'd be for them. So yeah, you were called to freedom. Um, that's another thing. You know, you were called in freedom. So who's doing that calling? Right. I, I think it I think it is God. I mean, God called Paul, and then of course Paul is the mouthpiece of God. Yeah. So he certainly I think entailed in this, and and it's it's not the first place first time that Paul wants to associate himself and his word really closely with God and God's word. Certainly, yeah, certainly. There's there's definitely a, a hierarchy to Galatians, a theological hierarchy. Um, and, you know, we have, of course, God the Father. Um, and I guess there isn't a, a, a hierarchy, hierarchy with, well, I, I guess I mean, here's how I want to say, it. not a subordinationism, like in terms of the Trinity, uh, but there is a hierarchy of roles to the Trinity in Galatians. Yeah. Um, and I think certainly in Paul's earliest letters where we have the father sending the son and the son sending the spirit and the spirit sending whomever. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have a hierarchy of roles, but I think that's different than the sort of the idea of subordinationism within the Trinity. Um, so I, yeah. I, I think we, I think Paul plays to that and it, it, it's very evident uh, he's going to appeal to that. Like the father has, has, you know, sent him like any authority that he has or whatever he has to say, it finds its source ultimately at the top of the hierarchy. Yes. Uh, which is the father. Yeah. Um, that makes and, good sense. So 
let's look at this last prepositional phrase and then we'll we'll end for today. So so the for now for is eteron evangelion to another gospel. What is this other gospel and what do you make of eteron and do you see any distinction between that and the other adjective that is used in the next verse alos. Yeah, that's a great question. Um man, that so I guess the distinction um, is, as we find out later in the letter, um, is going to have to do with, in large part, uh, turning back to circumcision uh, and these sort of practices that the troublemakers who came behind Paul after Paul left Galatia, they came into Galatia and they were attempting to persuade the folks Paul had been preaching and teaching to in Galatia to know you need to, you know, Paul was wrong about this or Paul overlooked this and you need to consider circumcision becomes a huge yeah. issue. Eating yeah. also like diet becomes another big issue. So, um, Paul's essentially saying, no, 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 no. Those aren't part of the gospel that I, I preached to you. That's, a, that's another gospel. And it goes on in the next verse to say, not that there is another gospel, but that's, that's not the one I, I told you about. Um, and yep. this, this gospel in which the spirit indwells you and empowers you. Um, so, yeah, I think those, yeah. that, that's sort of part and parcel of what he's talking about. Yeah. So Robertson, he allows for a distinction, although he's, he's cautious about pressing it, but the difference between eteros is something different of another kind versus alos, which is different, pardon me, different of the same kind. So I think, I think that distinction does hold there. And Robertson seems to say that it holds here as well. So in other words, you're changing to a different gospel, like it's different. And then we're going to see next time real quickly. um, He qualifies in verse seven, the the very next statement, which is not another. Yeah. Yeah. But, But then he clarifies it. It's confusing to them. So it really is another, but really there's a confusion and it is the same gospel of Jesus, but they've, they're changing it and, and yeah. forcing something on you. But I would say uh, yeah, I've seen some research on this eteros and alos. And I think the, there's a slight nuance in the two, but it's a really yeah. important one. When yeah. we run into the word, I think they can be used synonymously in the new Testament, but, there's a, a nuance. And when we see eteros, I think it tends to mean like another of a different kind. Yes. Whereas when we see alos, it means another of the same kind. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And some people don't believe that is true. I, I agree with you and I agree with Robertson. Yep. Yep. Yep, and then he's a good person to agree with. He was a great um, grammarian and observer of the text. Well, I think Michael, let's stop here, and we're gonna we'll probably continue by looking at that because Paul is gonna continue to describe yeah. what is attending this other gospel. So you don't want to miss it.
next the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Do you have something for us? A parting shot? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so this comes from uh, Dan Allender. And he says, healing comes when our story is raw, bone deep, and full of hunger for what only Jesus can offer. Mm. Amen. Mm. Appropriate as we end this episode. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. And uh, together with him, I say, we say to you, we look forward to having to you listen to us next time. Take care, everybody. Aloha.